in the first segment, we have Mark Pritchard, who will be joining us in just a moment. He is a British author who has written a book called A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams. And we're going to talk to him about some of his writings, and hopefully, because he has uh, expertise and knowledge in this, and I think it's somewhat topical because of the the book, The Da Vinci Code, and now the movie, uh, Mr. Pritchard has also written about and apparently done quite a bit of research and study uh, concerning the Gnostic Gospels, which just so happens one of the conversations on the plane coming back from China, we got to talking about the Gnostic Gospels, and uh, one of the people with whom I was speaking hadn't ever heard of the Gnostic Gospels, which uh, is interesting in and of itself as much publicity as there has been uh, in the in recent times. But right now we're going to go to our guest, Mark Pritchard. Welcome, Mr. Pritchard. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the program, and, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. And we have been talking a little bit about the Gnostic Gospels, but before we get to that, I want to talk to you about I believe it's your current book. Is that correct? Uh, I believe the book is A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams, or is that really a course that you teach? Well, it's both. It's a title of a book, and it's a course that I teach in, uh, in Astral Travel and Dreams. It uh, explains about how to have uh, an out-of-body experience and how to look into your dreams and how to to look into what's going on in the dreams in order to get knowledge about yourself and, and your life and everything. Yeah. Are, do you deal with things like near-death experience? Because those are always out of body. You always hear people talking about looking down on the uh, surgeon working on them and things like that. Do you deal with stuff like that in the book or in, and in the course? We do. Um, they are a kind of out-of-body experience. They're usually very clear, and they pre present a few problems for conventional science in, in trying to explain them because they happen when the brain is down, when there's no uh, bodily activity whatsoever. And uh, because of that, it's obvious consciousness must exist uh, outside the body, and, and that's very difficult for science to explain, impossible at this stage of yeah, they're just speculating, aren't they? I hear them talk about different hypotheses as to how this can happen, but they're trying desperately to explain it without having to acknowledge some unexplainable, deep, spiritual, something that would, I guess, threaten some scientists. Is that a fair statement? I think so. I think there's very deeply ideas and, and opinions there. And uh, to have anything spiritual would, would just break all that. Uh, and I think there's a lot of resistance to it. But, you know, if, if, we, if science is looking for the truth, and in the truth there is something spiritual, well, why not look at and, and include that as well? Now, now how, much, how much have you investigated near-death experiences? Have you interviewed people who have had these experiences, or what research have you done? Well, I, I have spoken and interviewed uh, people who have had near-death experiences. 
done as well. Um, but most of my work in this has been in out-of-body experiences, which is essentially the same kind of experience that you don't die, obviously, when you have one. It's more to do with being rather than, than death. So, an out of, you think there is a connection between out-of-body experiences, which I have been hearing about way back when, when I was in college, but I've never really actually talked to anyone who had one. And the near-death experience, which we have all heard about, and which I believe is documented so thoroughly that it would be difficult for me to see how anyone could deny that there is some phenomenon there going on that science does not understand. Yeah, that's right. Well, they're both out-of-body experiences, but in, in your usual OBE, out-of-body experience, there's a tendency for, the, for what's be caused by the mind, whereas in a near-death experience it tends to be very clear. But it is possible nevertheless to have a clear out-of-body experience. And uh, well, that, that really then was the academics of pigeons, as it were, because if you can have an, an out-of-body experience while you're alive, well, what what can you explore? What can you, you discover? You know, what does this, this tell us about the current state of science? Uh, yes, and, and I, I think that scientists tend to dismiss that which they cannot readily explain or which does not fit into the, into the template in, in which they are working, no, no matter what discipline. I, I, I think this is one of the weaknesses of science is that it tends to be either black or white, and they don't know what to do with gray. That's right, yes, exactly. And if you think about how much has progressed in the last hundred years, well, uh, it doesn't mean that we're at the peak of science at the moment, and therefore we can give all the answers. Uh, in a thousand years from now, I'm sure that there'll be uh, many new techniques in order to study these things, uh, well, if we last that long, that is. Now, I, I understand that there has been a scientific study that links, uh, or that shows a link between dreams and near-death experiences. Are you aware of that, and how, if you are, how can that be? How can that be explained? Scientists are saying that there's a particular uh, part of sleep called REM uh, sleep in which um, the visual parts of the brain are very active and some have said that and the latest research has shown that people who have had near-death experiences have a tendency to have um, a lot of this REM intrusion they call it but uh, basically they're comparing a body that's alive with a body that's dead and uh, many out-of-body experiences happen with not being in the, this REM state and so then the comparison is not really valid. I think it's just, um, well, it, it's, it's, it's not really thorough enough. Right. I remember in psychology class back in college in the early 70s, and I, I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I do know that they were talking about these phenomena in psychology even back then. And among the things that I seem to recall is that one needed to be in a really deep uh, meditative s 
state in order to experience out of body. Is is that a fair statement? Am I remembering that correctly? You probably are, because uh, it is a way of getting an out-of-body experience. Basically, to get an out-of-body experience, you need to sleep. And you can do that from getting into a meditative sleep uh, state. But obviously, uh, you go to sleep at night, and, well, you can have an out-of-body experience. But to do that, you need to be concentrated. You need to have your mind focused upon what you're doing. Right. So, yeah, there's a link between the meditation and sleep. Sometime when I am in REM sleep, I am actually dreaming, and at the same time, I'm not completely asleep. And that seems to me to belie the whole theory of REM sleep. Now, I'm not having an out-of-body experience, but I have had dreams in which I obviously was out-of-body, uh, and and let me relate one to you just briefly. I used to have a flying dream. And in my flying dream, I'm looking down on the city below. And while I never really equated that with an out-of-body experience, it was always an experience. It was always something that would eventually shock me into being fully awake. Yeah. Uh, while I know that's not related to an out-of-body experience, uh, it is a dream, and I had that dream repeatedly for uh, for years, uh, over a, over a period of several years. Uh, what is the difference between that, between me hovering or flying around over wherever I was or whatever I was looking down on, and the kind of a dream where I would actually leave my body, and if I did leave my body, how would I know it? Right. When you leave your body, you lie down to go to sleep, and instead of falling asleep, you lift up into the air. I mean, it's really quite a strong experience, and you really know that's happening. When you're having a dream in which you're flying, and you can even say, look, I'm in a dream, you are then in the same place as you are when you have this projections out of body experience where you've laid down and, and lifted out of your body. The difference is that your, your mind is still influenced by your subconscious when you're in that dream state. So if you were to clear the subconscious, if you were to, to just look around and see where you are, you could find yourself in exactly the same place as, as you would be if you had projected or even if someone was having a near-death experience, you could find yourself in the same place, in the same dimension. Yes. It's, uh, well, we won't, we won't get into dream analysis because that's not, I, I know that's not what we're here to talk about, but it is very interesting. Uh, it's always been an interesting topic to me. And, it, but it, let me ask you this. Is there any danger in experimenting with, trying to have an out-of-body experience or trying to leave your body? Well, about 12% uh, of people uh, have out-of-body experiences uh, spontaneously. So that would be over 30 million Americans, for example. Uh, and it's something that is very natural. It's not, uh, it's not
not like someone's taken a drug or has forced something that's, that's against nature or anything like that. It's a perfectly natural thing that happens to people all over the world, regardless of culture, race, or whatever. And all we're doing is simply being aware of the process of sleep and something which happens to us very naturally when we do go to sleep. So instead of going into dreams, you, you pass into that stage consciously and you, you're out of your body. Uh, it's, it it's feel very strange, but there's nothing dangerous in it at all, as long as someone obviously has a stable mind that is. You know. Now, I re, I re, I've read about out-of-body experiences. I've seen interviews on television about out-of-body experiences. I even remember we discussed it in psychology. 101 back at the University of Cincinnati back in the early 70s. But is there any scientific evidence that these phenomena actually exist? There's very good anecdotal evidence. You know, you get people who've gone out of their body, have seen things at a distance that was impossible to to um, see from the, where they were laid down and went to sleep, and they bring back information like that. But that, for a conventional science is not good enough. What they want to see is an experiment, often done in a laboratory or, or under special conditions where you can come out of your body, for example, uh, read some numbers on a random number generator while out of your body, back and, and say what those numbers you saw were. Then they would begin to consider it. So those are the kinds of criteria would be looking for. Others would simply dismiss it, and probably the majority would simply dismiss it uh, straight away as being not worth studying, as being a figment of the imagination. And uh, this is why there's virtually no research whatsoever going into the body experiences in the scientific community. So are, are you conducting such research? You could call it research. I'm, I'm in a course in out-of-body experiences and we've had about 43,000 people doing that course and we have a survey at the end so in a sense it's a kind of experiment um, but it's really to teach people how to do it for themselves rather than trying to, to prove it to um, the scientific community because really you lie down, you go to sleep, all you can see from here is a, a sleeping body and then you have the person's accounts to rely on. And so what, what we're doing really is saying, look, this is a, something that you can experience personally. You can't technically prove it scientifically, but you can experience it personally. And for you, for, for an individual, then it, you know, it, it's part of your own experience of life. Yes, so that should be pretty much uh, proof, right? That's right, pretty conclusive, especially if you can come back and say, look, I saw this on the roof. Can we go and check it? And you go and check it and you find it, yeah, that's there. How did you know that? Well, I had an out-of-body experience. Have you had anecdotal evidence like that, where, where one of your uh, students, uh, for the lack of a better term, uh, actually reported to you an anecdotal experience where the student had your course or went through the study and then reported such finding where they could not possibly have been other than through an out-of-body experience. Yes, we have that quite a lot. Uh, not only that, but we've had people um, talking in the forums, and we found two people who had met in a place in the astral plane, and then 
we said, oh, I met this person uh, in the astral plane. The other one said, I met this person in the astral plane. Oh, it's you. And they, they were even able to, to say the name, uh, like a nickname, you know, like a slang name that a person goes by, that the, the woman went by, which she told to the, to the, the guy she'd met in the astral plane, but it, it's not mentioned in a forum or anything like that. What is the astral plane? Oh, well, sorry, I'm using it. A terminology there that not everyone uh, is familiar with. It's, okay. You could say it's the fifth dimension. It's the place where these out of body experiences take place. It's okay. just a term for another place, you know. Okay. Now, uh, is it possible to find out what happens with death through having an out of body experience? In other words, is it possible to have a preview of death? For an individual, I think it's probably the best way um, because we are we are going to the place where the dead go and therefore what better way can we have of finding out what happens with death and for people who have had near death experiences they'll say yes I'm convinced there's an afterlife you know I left my body I saw this and that and I'm really convinced that an afterlife exists and, by the way, we are interviewing Mark Pritchard. Uh, I believe you're in San Francisco, right, Mr. Pritchard? At the moment, I'm in, uh, in Toronto, in Canada, but I'll soon be going to San Francisco. I've just okay. come from Britain and, and Cyprus and Greece, and uh, staying in Canada at the moment, moving then for a little uh, few weeks to uh, San Francisco. Okay, well, you, are, you seem to be quite a globetrotter. <laughs> what impact would this have upon people's ideas of the afterlife? Uh, if you look at the accounts of people who have had uh, near-death experiences, you find that it, it has a really profound um, impact upon their view of the afterlife because they, they have gone through death, in effect, and survived and have been somewhere that's not here. Yes. And they also then probably, to some, I don't know this, but from the interviews that I've seen, uh, it appears to me that they have a, a serenity and they have lost that fear of death, which is associated with the fear of the unknown. Would that be a fair statement? Yes, that is. That's a very fair statement. And they, they get that through personal experience because they, they've experienced what's there, the experience that there is life outside the body. And yet someone who has an out-of-body experience can also um, get that kind of insight because they realize and come to see that we're not simply this body, we're, we're something that comes in and lives in this body and uses this body, but we're more than this body. Can anyone have an out-of-body experience Yes, anyone can have an out-of-body experience. How, how would they do it? Well, there are different techniques which, uh, which can be used. Um, concentrating and focusing your mind when you go to sleep is probably the best one. Um, but it's good to learn it on a course, and that's why I teach this, not only in a book, but on a course as well. And uh, of the people who've taken the course, and we've, stayed, we've had 67% people uh, achieving an out-of-body experience, so it's quite a high percentage. 
Yes. Tell us about the course and about the book because we're running short on time, and I know that our listeners are interested in finding out about the book and how they can get it and maybe even take the course. Yes, uh, Course in Astral Travel and Dreams is the title of the book. Uh, it's, it is a nine-week program, and so you have uh, some information and you have an exercise that you can try at home, usually as you go into school. Uh, and it takes you stage by stage through the, the different things that you need to learn to be able to have an out-of-body experience and also to understand your dreams and to remember them better. On the course, it's the, exactly the same program, except that you also have uh, an interaction with other people through forums and chat. And so you, you, you can not only use the book, but you can also talk to other people, and that's really beneficial, because often in this, you don't know who to talk to, even if you read in a book. Whereas if you have a course that you can, you can talk to other people, and you can really get a lot more understanding like that. I, I agree. I think you can pick it up much faster. Yeah. Now, where would you, where would you be if you were taking this course? Can you do this uh, through the internet, or would you come to where you're offering the seminar, or how would that work? Well, we do have uh, study centers where we offer these seminars in uh, Madison and San Francisco, but most people take the course online. Uh, we've got people from all over the world taking the course. Now that is that is very interesting, and again, if you would give us the name of the book and where it can be obtained. Right, it's called A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams, and you can find you can order it from any bookstore in the U.S. or you can go online and order it from Amazon.com. Type in A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams, and you'll find it there. Or you can go to the website, our website, which is at uh, www.gnosticweb.com. That's N-O-S-T-I-C-W-E-B.com. And uh, there you'll find information about buying the book and also taking the online course. And the course is free. Now, I, I think uh, I, we're going to hold you over just a little bit if you, if you have a few, uh, three or four more minutes. But... Tell us a little bit about your uh, self-discovery and Gnostic wisdom and what that pertains to. Right, well, with that, it's looking uh, into the human's as a whole, not just uh, out-of-body experiences, but also the way that we think and the way that we feel. Uh, and it goes into awareness, it, it is emotions, thoughts, how we can understand ourselves through looking at our own thoughts and emotions. It's like you, if you try to study psychology from a theoretical point of view, you have a few ideas, okay, but you really understand yourself better by seeing yourself uh, as you are, you're getting angry, you're getting nervous and so on. It's like tasting an apple, you know? You taste an apple yourself, you know what it's like. If you read about what an apple tastes like, you won't know what it tastes like. So you, you learn to study yourself and get your own experience about how you function, how you feel, and so on. And then you, you begin to change it. You begin to get knowledge. And that's what we call gnosis, self-knowledge. And, and through that, then, you begin to change your life. 
because you're, you're reducing your understanding these negative states which we all have and uh, you're in, you basically you, you increase your, we could say, a, a conscious side, a good side, spiritual side by getting rid of these negative parts and that has its effects then in dreams as well so if for example people are having bad dreams the causes of the bad dreams are in the psyche which which take place during the day during daily life in fears and heavy emotions and things like that we reduce those in the day and those bad dreams start to clear up as well this has an overall effect of, of, upon the psyche and, and people then in effect become more and you you associate this with the Gnostic Gospels, and in fact, I found your website, and you have the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Gospel of Philip, and the Gospel of Thomas, which yep. are considered the the uh, Gnostic Gospels. What is the tie-in there? It's essentially the same knowledge, really, um, except that we've got two thousand years of distance between us and the original Gnostic text but there are key elements which we can use to study the, these original Gnostic Gospels and, and any kind of um, sacred text the, the key elements and uh, they include self-knowledge and uh, exploration throughout the body experiences so with those keys, those, those tools you can then go and, and find out about these, well, superb uh, teachings that are in these ancient texts. But yeah. essentially, they both are about the search for inner knowledge. As, as would be the ordinary Gospels, for that matter, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. They're written in these parables, but they also have this double meaning, this deeper meaning. You know, and... Uh, and you kind of look into the deeper meaning and you begin to get understanding about yourself with profound knowledge in the, in the ordinary Gospels. Well, uh, Mr. Pritchard, we thank you very, very much for sp spending time with us and especially for staying over. I, I would like to maybe ask you if sometime you would mind coming back and sharing with us your, your knowledge of the Gnostic Gospels. I am very interested in them just simply because of all of the intrigue associated with the Da Vinci Code and the movie The Da Vinci Code and all the discussion there's been. I think there's a lot of interest in that, and we would certainly hope that maybe sometime you could spend a little time with us on that. Yes, I'll do that. I was on TV recently um, about the discovery of this new Gnostic Gospel, the Gospel of Judas, you know, with the, the people who'd been. Uh, we discovered it and uh, involved in the research and on that. So I, I know quite a bit about that. I'd be glad to come on the show. And Would there be four now, four, four Gnostic Gospels instead of three with the, with the new discovery? No, there, there are many more than that. Uh, a lot are contained in a book called the Nag Hammadi Library. And then you've got a few that are outside of that as well, such as um, the Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. Uh, there are quite a few... Gnostic Gospels, but the word Gospel again, you've got to watch because it's, it's in the terms of Gnostic Gospels it's more of an account uh, written by someone rather than the life of Jesus. You know, we think of a Gospel as the life of Jesus whereas these are more accounts of... But, but is it true, isn't it true that 
the many of the much of the New Testament uh, was written contemporaneous with these Gnostic Gospels. Yes, that's right. They the, the date from around the same time. Okay, well, we, that sounds like a great topic for another show. We certainly appreciate you joining us, and hope that uh, maybe you'll have your your people get in touch with our people, and we'll try to get you back uh, as soon as possible to talk about the Gnostic Gospels and all that uh, flows from that. Okay, yes, we'll do that. Okay, thank you very much, Mr. Pritchard. Thank you, Charles. Good evening. Bye-bye. Okay, what a, what a guest. Wow. Well, I, I, I love that stuff.